a time of distraction and anxiety, certainly, and also a time for longing to belong, for yearning, for leaning toward the sweetness and beauty of the Holy One in the safe sanctuary. But how to hold those things together in one life, in one heart, in one time? So this little story from a corner of Luke's gospel. In that gospel, this is almost the first moment since the beginning of Jesus's ministry when Jesus isn't on public display. Evidently, he's taken an evening away from the press of crowds and the constant needs. And so here he is with two sisters. As far as we can tell, it's just the three of them in the cool of the evening or perhaps by the light of a fire in the sister's house. The situation that develops is familiar. Maybe you've even been in it yourself. One of the sisters, Martha, has set about pulling together some refreshment for their visitor or maybe a meal. Meanwhile, the other sister, Mary, has sat down with Jesus where she soon drifts into such deep attention to their remarkable guest that she doesn't notice her sister's labor in the kitchen until Martha's frustration at being left to manage the hospitality in their house single-handedly sort of boils over. Now Luke doesn't tell us whether these sisters are old friends of Jesus or just people who opened their home spontaneously to a tired traveler. But it's always seemed to me that they must have already known each other a bit because when the moment of Martha's impatience comes, there's a kind of unapologetic forwardness about it that seems almost intimate among the three of them, something you wouldn't do in front of a complete stranger there in the little house at the end of a long day. So here's a question. How did this story get into the Bible? If it really was just the three of them in the room, if this wasn't a moment of public teaching that any of the rest of the disciples could have remembered later on when they were pooling and compiling their stories, well, then it pretty much has to have been one of the three of them who told the rest of them about that little thing that happened that evening, about that upwelling of human moodiness between them, and about how one sister listened while the other worked, and when their two different kinds of energy collided, Jesus intervened in a way that was both gentle and wise. Surprisingly, there are actually only a few moments in Scripture when Jesus addresses someone, anyone, by name. Many of the people Jesus interacts with most memorably are strangers to him. A woman drawing water at a well, a lawyer, a woman with a hemorrhage, a rich young ruler. And on the few occasions when Jesus actually speaks a name, 
It has the power to infuse a kind of special echo to the exchange, as in some of your Bible memory verses. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I'm staying at your house today. Or, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Or just that one word name on Easter morning that changed everything, Mary. And then here, the only time in the whole story of his life, as far as I can tell, that we ever hear Jesus speak a name twice. Martha. Martha. There's so many ways that the evolution of Scripture could have shaped the story of what happened that evening in that house. But somehow, for some reason, the tradition has preserved the repetition of that name. A moment so ordinary and yet so personal, so simple, so authentic that I think it's almost as though you can hear the actual voice because why else would it be there? Martha, Martha. Whose story is this? Who told it to us? Why do we have it? Was it Jesus? Did Jesus return to the band of followers a few days later and serve it up to them, oh, I don't know, as a kind of parable, maybe? The other night while I was in the sister's house, one of them was busy while the other one was listening. And when the tension between them emerged into the firelight, I reminded the angry one that sometimes busying yourself and bettering yourself are two different things. Well, maybe, maybe it was Jesus. But would he, in retelling the story as a teachable moment, have needed to add the gratuitous little ripple of narrative detail that he said her name twice? Maybe. Or was it Mary who told us? She, after all, won his praise for her attention. She chose the better part, Jesus said, and she certainly must have remembered that for the rest of her life. But if she thought the story was about her, then would she, in passing it on later, have needed to add the detail that he had said her sister's name twice? Well, of course we can't know, but I think it was Martha. I mean, you know what happens when somebody speaks your name? How it has the power to turn you toward them instinctively, almost involuntarily? When you hear it, you almost have to try not to turn your head or raise your eyes. Even if all it's doing is calling you away from your worry and consternation and into the cool evening breeze, the right voice could change everything. The Bible could have handed this story to us in so many different ways. It could have even given us three or four different versions, one for each gospel. But this story is tucked into this tiny corner in the gospel of Luke, just Luke. Just one moment when all the public pressure and all the piety of a religious movement seem to have fallen away into the quiet by the fireside, when at first 
for Martha in her house. All the thousand and one things grew in the evening shadows to outsized importance, and a precious moment was almost missed forever until he said her name, and then, having gotten her attention, said it again. Martha. Martha. Down through the years, interpreters of this little story have tended to read it as a moment of instruction. After all, Jesus does explain that Mary has chosen the better part. We'll come back to that word better in a minute. And of course, in any learning situation, whenever a comparison rears its head, we so quickly get our zero-sum thinking into gear. The response you make is either the right one or the wrong one, the better one or the less good one. Reading the zero-sum way, if Mary is better, then Martha must be... But something about that binary just doesn't seem fair, does it? Jesus himself moved back and forth between contemplation and action all the time throughout his life. And surely, Jesus must have understood that the kind of beloved community that he was advocating was going to require somebody to be busy doing something almost all the time, from his instruction to Peter to feed my sheep, all the way down to this very moment when there's someone in every church kitchen we can imagine right now getting ready for coffee hour. Some see this as a story about working out the balance between the contemplative and the activist in the Christian life. A story whose meaning, like the best of Jesus' parables, is endlessly and fruitfully debatable. On the other hand, some translators think that a more accurate and less competitive reading of that Greek word better, Mary has chosen the better part, is simply Mary has chosen the good part. As though Jesus was not scolding or evaluating, but inviting. Look at the good place Mary found. Come and be in it with her. And some have seen this as a norm-shattering moment when a woman is openly welcomed to sit at the feet of the teacher as a fully accredited disciple herself, a role which in the ancient world was reserved only for men. And it may well be that, too. But if it's Martha who chose to tell the rest of us what happened in her house that night, among the three of them, then maybe in honor of her, we can let this become her moment of courage and candor and confession and awakening that belongs particularly to her and be grateful to her for it. I mean, after all, if she hadn't told us about it, would we even know? Or would we still be clattering away with all our own thousand and one tasks, trying to keep our own resentments at bay? Remember, Jesus doesn't exactly rebuke her for being busy. Oh, I know you can't really tell what was in the tone of his voice. 
But surely he knows that the work she is about is the very same work that the church, his body, will be spending the rest of its history doing. So Jesus laments with her the worry and the distraction that have caused her to miss the sweetness of the moment by the fire and then turned her own sister into her adversary. Maybe if Martha finally sat down next to Mary, Jesus reminded them of the old, old song that surely they all knew in their bones, the song that called us to worship this morning. There is one thing I ask of the Holy One, and this is what I long for, that I should dwell in the house of the Holy One all the days of my life to savor the sweetness of God and to inquire in God's temple. Maybe If we step out of all our anxious tasks long enough to pause in this small private moment between the three of them, we might hear the voice of someone telling us that she awoke that night to what it's so easy to miss. After all, there is so much to be anxious about, isn't there, in this time? and place, so much to be distracted by, so much to be angry about. And in anxious times, it doesn't take much to make worry and pressure metastasize into impatience, competition, worse. So maybe it was Martha who years later said, I had so much on my mind I wanted things to be just as they should be, but I almost missed a moment that would have been lost forever. I heard him calling me to come into a little clearing of time with them. And there were things to hear there that I couldn't have heard over the clatter of my own preoccupation and the boiling of my own irritation. But then there are always things like that to hear in this world, aren't there? He asked me to come and sit down a while and listen. That turns out to be harder work than all the fixing and preparing sometimes because the things we hear change us. I hear him calling me now, Martha, Martha. When I step into a clearing of time with a woman explaining that all she wanted was safety and food for her child, so she risked everything to come to the border. I hear him calling me now, Martha, Martha, calling me to sit down next to the anger of the woman about the bruise raised on her soul by the man who touched her as though she was not a person but a thing. I hear him calling still in the voice of the woman whose child was made sick by drinking water that flowed through old pipes that we never got around to fixing. I hear him still calling, Martha, Martha, when I stop to listen to the mother who tells her young son wrapped in beautiful black skin to be careful to keep his hands always visible and to always be polite.
when in between all the big things that happen in our lives, the big clattering things, when we're given moments to listen and to let what we hear matter to us, let what we hear change us, well, I learned not to pass over those moments. The good part is also the listening. And it's always there for us to choose. I see now that that's where serving always begins. He said my name twice. The second time, I heard him. Amen.